Hi everyone, we're thinking today about science and why it is over the last 18 months or so that people have been treating science in a very naive kind of a way. But before we get to that, there are just um, one or two things that I wanted to say, mainly that I've changed the name of this channel from uh, from my own name, Phil Saker, through to uh, Sacred Musings, a little pun on my name, but um, I thought it was a bit more descriptive. And also I've set up a new podcast. I know that some people prefer a podcast format rather than video. And so um, have seeing Phil Saker by Phil Saker just looked a bit strange. So I've called it Sacred Musings and hopefully that's a bit more descriptive and will just kind of help to um, yeah, understand what this is about. It's trying to make sense of the world from a Christian perspective. That's my kind of strap line, just trying to analyse the events, things going on in the world from a Christian perspective. So the links to those things will be down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, then the link to the podcast will be down below. If you're on the podcast, the link to YouTube will be down below and you can, um, you know, kind of mix and match whatever you, you prefer uh, with that. I also have a Telegram channel and um, I will post the links up to that um, on my website and there'll be all the links to everything. So all of that said, why is it that people have been so naive about science? I found this really interesting. Over the last 18 months, a lot of people from politicians through to just, you know, the average Joe on the street, uh, as it were, have been have like a kind of childlike naivety about the science that something must be so so long as there is a, a scientist on TV to tell us uh, that that is the case and the way that you know people like Neil Ferguson for example his words have been treated like almost gospel truth from the likes of the BBC and, and other parts of the mainstream media they just haven't really questioned and that's interesting to me because it wasn't the case with um, with Brexit, for example. Um, so, you know, think back a few years to Brexit and virtually every major institution, um, politicians and the media, the BBC and many other institutions were saying that if we voted for Brexit, it would be a disaster or at least it would be it would be bad. That was what the, the British public um, were being told by most of, of the media and, and our institutions. And yet, still 52% of people voted to leave. Now, why is it that people could ignore those institutions and make their own decisions, make their own minds up when it comes to Brexit? But when it comes to lockdowns, people just haven't really questioned. They've just gone along with whatever it is that, um, that the scientists have said, that the science uh, has said. Well, to answer that question, let's just think about how things have been before that, because I think this has been a problem which is, has been brewing for a very long time. Um, let me just um, talk about some of my history in thinking about um, the science. So I I was raised in a um, creationist uh, household. I mean, I used to, to read these kind of creationist magazines um, that would talk about how the world was created in six days and how scientists were just people who were trying to undermine God and who were trying to undermine the Bible. And that was why they were talking about this theory of evolution. And um, 
that that was my my experience when I was a child. Um, now, although I've come to have a, a different view uh, as an adult now, and if you'd like to to hear more about Genesis and science, then I did a seminar at church about this a few years ago. You can listen to it on my website. The link will be down in down below. So, although I don't have that particular view anymore, that um, it was helpful, I think, in just helping me to think that yes, yeah, scientists are not always right, and that science can sometimes be quite religious um you know that it's not always on the basis of of evidence and so on at like like we um we think it is um but it can almost be religious in in nature so i think that you know that experience when i was younger helped me to put that seed in my mind about science but then over the last few years there have been more things where I've come across uh, problems in, in science. So, for example, about 10 years ago, um, you know, when uh, David Cameron's government introduced same-sex marriage, I wanted to, to look into all of that because, you know, the, the biblical, traditional kind of Christian view has always been that marriage is between a man and a woman. And I really wanted to look into that and say, OK, well, if the Bible says this, then surely it must be the case in terms of, the science and in terms of the you know um the, the evidence must point to, to that and so i began to look into it and i was looking into some of the evidence about um children who were raised in um same-sex um household against uh, children who were raised in opposite-sex households in kind of the traditional um, way and one of the interesting things is that there is a huge amount of scientific evidence to say that children raised in same-sex households have the same outcomes for children raised in opposite-sex households. But if you look into it more, you will find that a lot of that, that evidence is of quite poor quality. You know, it has small sample sizes, it has um, selection bias, you know, that... Um, they run an advert in the paper would anyone like to participate in this study and that that will tend to attract a certain kind of person so it's it's not random and um, you, you might filter out results which are kind of go against what the study um, is trying to find um, and and this is the interesting thing that it really opened my eyes to how science can be political you know that scientists are not immune from political pressure and that scientists have a world view and you can often with science you can you can set out to find something and find it you know finding what you set out to find i think is one of the real problems in science um, rather than simply being led by by the data which is how i think people imagine science proceeds and that is how it is in the real world but scientists can have biases and and that does show itself and, and that was one of the ways uh, where i saw um and the same thing happened in other issues like transgender uh, for example i remember there was um uh, paul McHugh um uh, published a piece in the new atlantis about same-sex um uh, science and about uh, transgender and there was a huge backlash about this and um, it was really interesting, again, you know, just seeing the way that science could become uh, politicised. Um, and you could say things also for, for issues like climate change. I mean, um, I think I offended a few people on my previous video talking about, you know, saying climate change is not the apocalypse. Um, but you have to agree, surely, that 
climate science is highly politicised and it's become very bound up with with the government sort of narrative uh, on this. So um, even things like that, you know, really highly um, politicised. So my experience over the past um, few years has led me to believe that science can be and often is used to justify political ends, that scientists set out um, to find a an answer to a political question rather than just, you know, trying to find out the truth. And, you know, scientists are not infallible people, that scientists are people just like you and me. And that's exactly what we should expect, really, for science to become political sometimes, because any other field uh, is capable of becoming political. So why not science? Now, people seem to give science a free pass when it comes to getting political in a way that they don't with other fields. It's, it's interesting. We'll come on to that more in a moment. I just wanted to mention uh, as well a couple of things from within science which show that there are problems as well. The first thing is what is called the, the replication crisis in science, which is been around for since the the early noughties and it's even got its own wikipedia page you can go and look at it and uh, this uh, this says well wikipedia says the replication crisis is an ongoing methodological crisis in which it has been found that many scientific studies are difficult or impossible to replicate or reproduce so a lot of studies are difficult or even impossible to reproduce which calls their findings into question and this was uh, one of the foundational things about this was John Ioannidis's piece, which they, they have there, um, why most published research findings are false. And that he published that back in 2005. And he's written a lot um, about science and the institution, the methodology of science and the problems um, therein. Um, more recently, just a, a few months ago, I read a piece on a Mike Hearn's blog. So Mike Hearn has written for um, uh, Lockdown Skeptics. He's a former uh, senior software engineer at Google, and um, he's written about, um, uh, he wrote about fake science. This is from July the 25th. And he starts with this quote, uh, it is simply no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that is published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. I take no pleasure in this conclusion, which I reach slowly and reluctantly over my two decades as an editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. And that quotes from uh, Marcia Angel, who is um, the first female editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. So um, there are problems in science. Uh, one of the problems is that a lot of uh, studies use photoshopped um, images or made up data um, and they're not spotted by the peer review process. So science is supposed to be peer reviewed, which, which is supposed to um, pick up these kind of problems. But that doesn't happen. Why is that? This is what Mike Hearn says. Uh, the sad reality is that the size of the fraud problem is entirely unknown because the institutions of science have absolutely no mechanisms to detect bad behaviour whatsoever. Academia is dominated by, and largely originated, the same ideology calling for defunding the police. So no surprise that they just assume everyone has absolute integrity all the time. Research claims are constantly accepted at face value, even when obviously nonsensical or fake. Deceptive research sails through peer review, gets published, cited and then incorporated into decision making. There are no rules 
and it'd be pointless to make any because there's nobody to enforce them. Universities are notorious for solidly defending fraudulent professors. Now, it doesn't need me to say that this is an enormous problem for science because science depends that its whole reason for, for being is the notion that there is truth out there and that scientific the scientific method is finding out the truth. So if the, the processes, if there aren't sufficient processes for finding out when someone is lying, then that's a massive problem. You know, the errors can creep in and once an error has crept in, other papers can cite that that paper and you can get this kind of build up of a whole if you like castle in the the sky um this whole edifice based on a lie and that's a huge problem and, and this is the thing that a lot of scientific papers do use um data which is either dodgy or or just simply made up so um mike kern gives the example of one covid modeling paper which assumed an implausible number of contacts in the home. So you can see there it's 7.01 contacts they assume at home. That That's the assumption that the average person in the UK lives with seven other people. And that's pretty implausible. The actual number is something like 2.4. So they just used a, a number, otherwise their, their model didn't, didn't work. Um, so they, they basically made it up. But that's not the only problem with the papers on lockdown. So Mike Hearn goes on. Sometimes numbers aren't wrong, but are instead logically vacuous. The bogus Flaxman et al. paper from Imperial College that tried to prove lockdowns work had the usual problem of statistically implausible numbers, but more importantly was built on circular logic. They made a model that assumed only government interventions could end epidemics. This is obviously nonsense, and they breezily admitted it in the paper, where they said their work was illustrative only, and that, in reality, even in the absence of government interventions, we would inspect RT to decrease. No problem, this fictional illustration got published in Nature, and the authors presented the model's outputs as scientific proof of their own assumptions to the media. The paper is vacuous mathematical obfuscation, but scientists either can't tell or don't care. It has racked up over 1,300 citations and the number is still growing rapidly. To put that number in perspective, in physics the top 1% of all researchers have around 2,000 citations over their entire career. So the paper doesn't say anything of any significance. It's just a, a thought experiment really made up without any real connection to, to the real world and yet it's got over 1300 citations so it's out there now people say yes lockdowns work based on this paper and yet the paper itself doesn't show that now i think mike hearn's conclusion is damning for the scientific establishment this is what he says in the past year most talk of bad science has been about models with bad assumptions this is an issue but has been hiding problems that are far worse Scientists are buying fake papers, photoshopping evidence, refusing to upload their data, knowingly publishing numbers that cannot be correct, citing papers that were retracted for being fraudulent and presenting mathematical obfuscations of what they want to be true as if it were science. Journals usually ignore fraud reports entirely or when put under pressure let scientists submit corrected versions of their papers. Nothing can be done about any of this because, above all, universities rely on reputation and don't want anyone to find out about bad behaviour. 
So they fight tooth and nail to protect academics, no matter how corrupt they may be. There are no rules. Any rules that are alleged to exist turn out, when tested, to be illusions. So there we go. That is absolutely damning of the, the scientific and, and academic establishment, isn't it? And it really made me think, actually, of the Reformation, the way that, that at the Reformation you had this virtually unchallengeable priestly class, the clerisy, that, that because the Bible was available only in Latin, then the ordinary man couldn't read, um, uh, couldn't read the Bible. And so by making the Bible available in, in English and in the other uh, vernacular languages of, of the common man, then that um, enabled the Reformation because you know, the, the, these um, priests couldn't, um, you know, couldn't extract, keep their hold on people. They, they lost their authority. Um, and I think we need something like that to happen now. Anyway, the, the, the point of all of this is just to say that science has as many problems as anything else. And uh, just to say, by the way, I read another article today called Never Trust a Scientist on Unheard. I'll put the link down below. So over the last 18 months, where the government have been using the science to guide us, really it's been an exercise in manipulation that the science has kind of been massaged and manipulated in order to, to, um, to, to put forward one particular narrative and not others. And the key message that I wanted to, to say with this is that any politician talking about the science is actually manipulating you. That I think the science, as it were, is, is a political tool used to justify a particular course of action that the government wants to take. It's a smokescreen to hide behind. It is not actually representative of the way that the world actually is. And that's a real problem. So if science is so problematic, then why do people trust it so much? Well, I'd like to suggest three things, but um, I'm sure there will be more as well. You might like to comment below. Just let me know what, what you think. But these are three reasons that I, I think why people just kind of have this naive faith and trust in science. The first thing is that we are living with the benefits of science. You, you just look all around us, you know, technology, modern medicine, um, you know, the many blessings that have come to us as a result of science and you know, to, to deny science is would basically be to deny the modern world. And, you know, I think that people people look around and say, well, you know, science has done so much for us. So, you know, we better um, it, it seems to be reliable. You know, so let's not question it when we're told that the science says something. It's, it's clearly reliable. The second thing is that science has now become an institution so whereas in the past you would get people doing scientific experiments in their garden shed or, or something like that you know science wasn't a job that it was something that that you you kind of you did and the early scientists were you know all sorts of of things you know um, natural philosophers i think the early title was um but actually it's become professionalized and now, apart from when you're at school, you do some experiments when you're at school and you use this kind of equipment, you use test tubes, you use Bunsen burners, you use stuff that you don't ordinarily have. So science already has its kind of own tools and, and things. Then science has become this 
establishment separate thing and it's something which only professionals do now, the ordinary people don't do science because ordinary people don't have the tools to do science and i think actually it's it's led to um, people not really being willing to think because if you're if you contradict science then you are contradicting you know the professionals you are contradicting this this established consensus of of scientists and they know more than you so you know don't think for yourself you just accept what the scientists tell you because they're the ones with the expertise and they they know how to use the scientific method and you don't they've done the experiments and you haven't and and so it's kind of this authority that you know you can't question it because it has that that authority with it and the third thing is that uh, science is filtered through the media and this is something that I've I've seen a lot of people get frustrated with over the years um people who look at the way that science is communicated in the press but very often a scientific study will be done and it comes up with a conclusion that says such and such might be a possibility and then that gets reported in the press as you know scientists have proven that this is the case and the media are really very um not scientifically savvy you know they they always overegg things they they never kind of have the nuance that actual science has and so people have come to believe i think because of the media that science shows us certainly what's true and what isn't true um and is always completely certain whereas the the reality is that you know scientists and and scientific papers they'll often have a conclusion which says well it's you know we're reasonably there's a degree of certainty about this but you know it might work and and so on but it's not certainty they're not dealing in certainties by and large um but the media kind of papers over all of that so i think that's a third reason why i think people trust science because the way that it's presented by the media is quite different to the way that it's actually done in in the field so the final thing then i wanted to think about just briefly is what can we do about this we've got this this problem with science what can we do about it well um i mean there are two problems there really aren't there there's the problems within science itself and then there are the problems of the people um perceiving and kind of um uh the, the problems of the, the reception of science and those are two different problems and they need different solutions um in terms of the actual science itself i think a lot would be solved if we could fix the problems in science itself and i think a lot of that is actually returning to the kind of values which science depends on so you know things like truth and honesty and integrity and all of those things those are things which science depends on it it must have those in order to function but they're things which science itself cannot provide this is why science first flourished in christendom is because um the christendom provided those kind of the, the necessary framework for science to operate and and that's why science developed in christian societies and if we want science to flourish again we need to get back to those values which means that we need to get back to the christian world view which produced those values one of the most ironic things actually over the last 20 years thinking back to the new atheists and how people like richard dawkins said science killed god 
and and actually i think the death of of god in our society has actually killed science because once god has gone then you know scientists are are um, all of these problems that we've been talking about kind of come up again and i think it would be good to um for people in terms of how people receive science just to understand these political um, motivations that people have and, and understand that scientists are not um flawless or infallible you know just to have a little bit more reality when it comes to you hear a scientific report and think actually that might be wrong or there might be political uh, reasons for that and just get used to thinking for thinking for ourselves a bit better you know just thinking does that really make sense does that measure up to reality and some people did that during the lockdowns during during covid I remember, I think Ivor Cummins saying one of his friends said, you know, why is it that no supermarket workers, there's not an epidemic among supermarket workers when they are working for, you know, seven or eight or more hours a day without a mask? And why wasn't there an epidemic among supermarket workers? All of that kind of thing. And, you know, some people have used their critical faculties to think, but a lot of people haven't. So I'm encouraging people to not just simply blindly trust everything that the scientists say, but to use their own uh, critical thinking uh, is really important and something hugely um, that, that's yeah important for the functioning of a society, isn't it? Not just accept what we're told. And that's like what happened at the Reformation. You know, people didn't accept what the, the kind of this clerisy, but said, actually, I'm going to read the Bible for myself and I'm going to find out what... Uh, what it says for myself not just take your word for for it on what you understand it says in latin and i just like to finish with a closing thought really which is that i don't it really troubles me that the church has not led the way in questioning the science uh, on this and interrogating what has what has been happening because surely i think surely christians uh, you know have a, a an insight into the human heart which says that yes everyone is flawed and everyone has a um you know a kind of a susceptibility to to these political pressure to peer pressure and um you know that that scientists are not immune from that and we should know that we as christians should should really know that clearly so why is it that a lot of christians have just gone along with the narrative rather than actually think and question more um it's very troubling but um, anyway, I think that says a lot about the church, but we won't. I've talked a lot about those uh, those kind of things as well. And that's something we can explore more as well. So thanks so much for joining me today on uh, Sacred Musings, new name of the podcast of the, the channel. Um, don't forget the links are all down below um, if you want to, to see the podcast. And if you'd like to support me, then um, you can do that on the Buy Me A Coffee uh, website as well. Um, I really do appreciate that. But just any kind of support in terms of liking, don't forget to like um, and um, subscribing and all of those kind of things. I really do appreciate. And I, I, I'm just so glad that these videos are helpful to people. Um, and uh, yeah, don't forget to let me know what you think in the comments below as well. Thanks so much, everyone. I'll see you soon. God bless.